What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. What is up, guys? Happy Tuesday. If you're watching this when the episode goes live, I want to preface this podcast episode with a few changes. Um, first things first, and the biggest one, if you if you hear any random noises or anything, it's not me, I promise. I recently just got a puppy, and I'm keeping her you know, confined to my space so that I can watch her and stuff and whatnot. Um, and unfortunately, I, I have nowhere else to put her during the podcast episode, so she's just kind of hanging out with me. Um, so if you hear any random noises, that's her. Um, second thing, I am going to be posting the new goal is two times a week. I've been really enjoying podcasts, especially during the quarantine and stuff like that. Um, so I want to start doing two times a week. So if you're listening right now, do me a favor, shoot me a DM, give me some ideas of topics that you guys want to hear, discuss, talk about. Soon, shortly, I think we're going to do a Q&A. We are close to around 3,000 downloads, which is so cool for me. Once we hit 5,000 downloads, I'm going to be doing a gift card giveaway for sure. Just like say thank you to everybody. Um, so obviously stay, you know, a little bit more in tune with that. But in today's episode, guys, we're talking about a topic that honestly, like, if you would have talked or asked me about it two years ago, I would have been like, eh. But now I'm like really hyped about it. And I've learned that over over the years of of shooting and editing and trying to get better and better at my craft, I began to care more about my color. So today we're gonna dive deep into like my color process, why it's important and everything like that. Um to get started, color grading is a huge component of filmmaking. No matter what any film filmmaker will tell you or any photographer or videographer, even photographer really, it is usually where the edit comes to life in those last moments. Well, for me, it's the last moments. Um, my process has changed a few times over the years. It, anything can make that happen. It could be based on knowledge, um, new gear that I have. Um, there's always been a few things that I've stayed consistent with though, and I want to share those with you guys um, while also explaining my current um, wedding filmmaking color grading process. Um, so what can color do for you? Basically, in my opinion, color plays a big role in the clients you're going to attract, um, the type of venues and vendors you're probably going to work with, and then also just the type of couple um, like the type of client you're going to attract. So for example, we all know that in the photography world, there's, you know, you have your, your light and airy, which is like definitely the most popular right now. You have your like true to life color. You have your, uh, dark and moody. You have your desaturated. You have your, I don't know, warm. You have your cool or a contemporary. Like there's all these different styles and everybody has their own style. And I definitely think that like your style should fit your brand too, like or your color and editing style should fit your brand because I would I, it would be funny if you walked up to somebody um, that let's say is very bubbly and outgoing and and really they just want like big smiles and and big smiles and and just like straight kissing shots like you would expect them to be like maybe light and airy I don't know exactly I can't put a, a, um, a personality to the style. Um, but let's say you, you find a photographer that loves those like intimate romantic moments of like, like, you know, smolder faces where you guys are like 
thinking about how much you love each other, like stuff like that. Maybe they're more of a warmer tone editor or dark and moody. Um, it, it resonates to you. I think people that appease to both, um, I understand that when it comes down to it, it comes down to having the knowledge of just knowing how to to do that. Um, but I think that appeasing to both is kind of like what they say about like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Personally, I think that you people and everybody should get like t toned in on um, you know, mastering their color that is specific to their brand. Because then and when you need when you niche down like that, you're able to attract the type of couple and client that you want while also um, color grading and editing the way that is enjoyable for you. Because if you absolutely hated color grading and editing in light and airy, your motivation wouldn't be as high. You wouldn't care as much to do it. You wouldn't want to do it. And that's a problem, guys. Like that's what's gonna that's gonna rub off onto your work, and next thing you know, like your work's gonna have that vibe, and that's not is what you're not gonna book better couples that way, hundred percent for sure, for, for no way at all. Um, everything's for me starts the day of the shoot, and I always stress this too because in the beginning, as a beginning filmmaker, you know you're gonna put in auto aperture priority, whatever you're gonna do, and and you're gonna and you're gonna film, um, and you know a lot of times it could come out great and it could come out really crappy, um, but for me. Everything starts the day of the shoot. Often as a rookie, you're probably just thinking, oh, everything is fixable in post. Like, I can fix it in post. And while a lot in the final look, um, you can fix in post. There's a lot of stuff you can do in post. Um, but when you're pushing the extreme limits on an image, um, that's when your image starts to break down. For example, if your white balance is set really low and then you're warming it really up while also de-taking, taking out saturation, adding in greens, that's when you're going to have a lot of grain and warping into your into your image. Um, and that's when it's going to look really, really gross. So I want to break this down really quickly. So here are a few things I always aim to get right in camera while shooting. First and foremost, exposure. Exposure has always been very important to me because when you're drastically changing that that the exposure of your clip while you're editing and then adding grading on top of it, that's when you're going to see um, like very disgusting looking color grades. Like if you're very underexposed and you're pumping it all up in post or overexposed and trying to bring it all down, um, that's when it's going to look, it's going to break down really, really quick, especially if you're shooting on like a, an eight bit color camera, like something that's not insanely, um, you know, it doesn't have an insane amount of colors, like a 10 bit or even a 12 bit camera. Um, I expose using my histogram and zebras. Um, I have never, you know, found another way that's been as, as successful for me. I've never really enjoyed using the exposure meter. Um, for me, I've always just loved using the histogram and the zebra. So I have them set to 80 on my Sony cameras. And then I just watch the histogram um, through my viewfinder whenever I like want to peek through to just see how an image looks. Um, and for me, I've always tried to try to try to aim towards that like that when I do look at the meter, I'm aiming towards plus three, not not plus five, not plus one for like light and area and stuff, plus three, just a little bit over, over what, you know, technically correct exposure is. Um, and the second thing is definitely the white balance. This one is so crucial and it's often avoided um, by just slapping on auto white balance as a new filmmaker and calling it a day. Uh, this is usually the worst thing you could possibly do. I just want to preface that and say that like slapping on auto white balance, slapping on like auto, you know, like shutter speed, and auto ISO is definitely the worst thing. You know, I have had wedding days where maybe it was a little bit overcast and um, my lighting was on point all day and like my settings were correct all day and the color looks absolutely amazing. I'm going to put a link to my, probably my favorite colored film of mine, which is a wedding I did at Davis 
Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, Davis Island Garden Club here in Tampa, Florida. And it was just beautiful. The scenery is amazing. Purple, yellows, greens, so many popping colors. And the I just got the exposure right in camera perfectly all day. And it just came out to be my most favorite colored film I've ever done. I'm going to put a link down, down to that below, guys. So you can kind of get an example about what my films kind of look like when I'm, you know, exposing correctly and actually doing stuff correctly. Um, there are many tools for getting your white balance right. Some people use false color. Um, some people use gray cards or color checkers. Some use, um, you know, just natural science. Um, LOL. Um, well, basically, all light has a temp. As a set temperature, so daylight is known for being 5,500 Kelvin. So if you turn all, um, like basically, you know, if you're outside, you should probably just set it to 5,500 Kelvin. Your camera will have preset ones like cloudy, sunny, and all that, which a lot of times I can find is actually pretty pretty accurate. Um, so if you need to like switch in a hurry, I would say maybe use that instead of like going to the Kelvin setting and like being at like 33 and like holding down it until it gets to 55. If you need to get a shot quicker. Um, but if you turn all of the uh, tungsten lights off in a room and open up the windows, you'll find by exposing properly and setting your white balance to around 5,500 Kelvin, um, everything will look cohesive, which this is important, guys. Like, I stress this enough. Like, if you can go into a, a room, especially if you get there early, like, again, I always stress this in other episodes, but getting there early just speaks a lot. You can ask more if you're there early and not rushing, um, but go into a room and... If the room is, you know, has a lot of windows, but they have like shutters on them or something and everybody's using like the orange gross tungsten lights. Hey guys, can we turn the lights off? Open up the windows. It'll make the color and the editing so much better if we do this, you know, and a lot of times they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's completely fine. Especially if the makeup artist is already sitting by a window because the natural light will help her see usually what the bride's going to look like outside anyways. I always thought that was weird when, if you, a side note guys, if you're ever hiring a makeup artist and they come with like no lights and they're just using like the indoor hotel lighting, um, it's a little unprofessional because like their face literally could look different because that light temperature is off too. You know what I mean? So it's like they should be using daylight or wherever this, their ceremony is going to be like if it's outside. Um, last thing is just the aperture guys. When you're, when you are setting, um, your aperture according to the shot or the subject you're trying to capture, um, it will draw focus to certain areas. So if, if you have a beautiful background, maybe you don't want to blow that background out and be at a 1.4, 1.8, um, maybe be at a 2.8, maybe even be at an F4 to show more of that background if it's got a lot of color in it too while also showing your subject, obviously. Um, but maybe you, that background's ugly. And you know what I mean? You definitely don't want the background in there. Obviously stop down so you can be at that 1.8. And a lot of times this will just draw focus to that subject too because instead of coloring it for the for the foreground and the um and the background, you can color it maybe just for that foreground element um, and stuff like that, or whoever's in focus, I mean. Um, once all of these are good day of, I shoot the dang thing. You know what I mean? Like if I can set all of this as, as best as I possibly can, um, I shoot it and I just capture as many ankles and as many beautiful compositions as I possibly can. Um, for me, I use a monitor while I film now. Um, before I was like, why would anybody use a um, like an external monitor on their gimbal? Like I just don't see the purpose to it because it's clunkier, it's heavier, it's just gonna get in the way. Like how often will you like actually use it? Um, and then I used one and I was like, yo, what the hell have I been doing? <laughs> like it's so much easier to expose 
when you have a monitor because you have a histogram on there. Like I know that the Sony cameras, we don't even they don't even have false color, so I can do false color directly on my monitor on a wedding day, and it, even, and it helps a lot with like S log two as well. Um, and I preload my LUTs into there, so I have a few LUTs that I use for my weddings. I'm gonna get into those a little bit later in the episode, and I preload them in there so I can expose. And then see, okay, how's this LUT going to look when it comes to editing? I can just, it's not baking it onto it. It's just showing me what it's going to look like. So I can expose for that LUT and color balance for that LUT. And it's a, it's, 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 it's awesome guys on my end. I'm so happy that I've discovered this. I use a free world monitor. It's only five inches. Um, it's not insanely big, um, but it, it gets the job done for me. And it makes me feel more comfortable knowing that I'm most likely exposing properly on the, um, on the day, come the day of. So you shot the wedding, culled the footage, and figured out the story. But what about music? Artlist has been one of my favorite platforms for licensing music for my wedding films. They are constantly keeping it fresh with new music, various artists, always making it so easy to find the exact track you're looking for. For just $1.99 a year, you get access to the entire music library. Head down to the show notes below to get some more information on that deal. Okay, so now you shot the wedding and you're on the back end of Premiere or Final Cut or Resolve and you're looking at all these panels and sliders thinking, literally, what do I even do? Well, I'm going to break it down just a little bit for the sake of this podcast. I'm using Premiere, um, but a lot of this can be done in any other software as well. Just you may have to find specific sliders and stuff like that. Um, and honestly, guys, work your way up. Don't think that as soon as you pick up a camera and you start filming, you're going to turn into this you know, this amazing colorist that's going to have Sam Calder type color. Um, you're not, you know, you, you got to work your way up. And I, I definitely did too. I, I practiced a lot too on my own time. Um, definitely don't use paid gigs as an opportunity to practice. That's a serious rookie mistake. Um, I never use paid gigs for that. Um, but basically, I just work down the sliders correcting the footage. So the first thing I do is I correct my footage. Always, always correct my footage. And I'm just going down, going down um, the panel and the Lumetri panel in Premiere Pro. And okay, is the white balance correct? Cool. Are is it? Are the highlights clipping? Are the shadows, you know, not, um, you know, correct? Or is it too much saturation in the clip? Do I need to take saturation out? I'm just working my way down this panel so that I can, you know, fine tune everything to get it to look as true today as possible as as it as it was when I was there. Um, and then. After I color correct everything, I find a hero shot from each portion. So what I'm saying to that in relation to a wedding day, um, you know, you obviously have your bride prep, you have your groom prep, your ceremony, the couple B-roll of them just like loving on each other after this after the ceremony. You have your reception and maybe other things too, like your first look and um, you know, like portraits and stuff like that. But I find a hero shot from every single one of those moments because a lot of times the color's the same. You know what I mean? If you have all the guys in one area and you film 30, 40 shots with them in that same area, all that color is gonna be the same for the exception of like probably like you know, the exposure sometimes. So I find a hero shot from each section. And this is just a shot that I think best depicts the um the whole section so like I, the light looked most like this throughout all the clips you know you wouldn't pick a really dark one or you wouldn't pick a really light one or one that's like way oversaturated than the rest the one that is the hero shot for each section so usually i'll end up with like i don't know like five to seven hero shots depending on what the day had to offer i will then color grade one clip and move to the next making sure each clip on the timeline has the same look and vibe to it so basically i will go through and fine. Usually it's a couple B-roll shot because that's usually the most beautiful footage within the wedding film. And I will go through and I will grade that 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 clip to look 
exactly how I want it to look when I'm done editing the film. And I'll copy and paste that over into each hero shot of each section. There used to be a different method I was using. And for me, I wanted all of my films to look exactly like the color from my photography. Now, this is kind of easy to achieve, but also kind of not. But I'm going to get into that just a little bit a little bit later. Um, but I want to just tell you a little bit of how I am doing it now versus how I used to do it. So I used to do a different method through like LUT conversion. Um, but now I'm basically just grading. And I've created a few LUTs within Premiere that I've realized are the grades that I'm consistently doing two, three, four times in a row. So after I've graded my hero shots, I will usually go through and apply the grade to each clip based on what was being shot. Alternatively, you can correct your whole cold timeline and grade the whole timeline before you get into the creative edit. Yes, this is easier on the tail end, but longer on the front because you're you are spending so much time color correcting and grading footage that you may not even use. But um, what makes it more convenient when it comes to to doing it that way is that as you're doing the creative edit, you, you've already allocated the time for the color grade and the correcting beforehand. But like I said, you could be grading and color correcting footage that you don't even you know want or don't even end up using in the actual film and stuff like that. Um, so for me. I don't go that right route. I used to. I was often color correcting all of bride prep, all of groom prep, all of you know everything, and then putting everything together, and then putting my grade that way, um, because it was a little bit easier since I could just copy and paste a grade and just like adjust it a little bit. Um, but I found that for me, I don't care to do the the long way method anymore. Um, I'd rather just uh have the creative edit done and then go from there when it comes to grading and color correcting. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Jonathan, okay, you've told me all this information about color correcting and grading, but like, how are you grading? How are you getting your final look? Um, first, I used a million LUTs. I was trying to find the right one for the look I really wanted, and it was just, it never worked for me. I think that um, sometimes the LUTs were created for different cameras, or, may, you know, they say they're universal, but let's all be real. They're not universal. I don't think that they truly are. I think that somebody should have, like, um, the same footage from the you know multiple different cameras to kind of test for it um but then i figured out a new process of converting those lightroom presets of mine for my photography um into luts which i currently use now to establish the luts that i use on a daily basis so with the lut conversion method what this does is it allows me for my photography and videography to both have the same exact look how it works is i grab those hero shots and i take a screen grab from each one of them and I bring them into Lightroom, and I make various um, um, tweaks in Lightroom on my my main hero shot, which again is usually that couple's B-roll portrait session. And then I just copy and paste that preset onto the other screen grabs or screenshots of the of the um, hero shots. And what this allows me to do is see that within Lightroom that all these color all this color grade is um, cohesive, which is great because then I don't have to worry about you know within the film everything jumping back and forth color wise. I can just know that all of my clips will look and feel the exact same um, throughout the entire film. Now, now this process can be tedious because sometimes you have to jump back in, back in and back out of Lightroom and grabbing screen grabs and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's a great starting point. This is what I did for a while until I was able to be like, okay, I'm constantly making this set of, 
of corrections. Why don't I convert this into my into its own separate LUT within Premiere and see what it looks like if I just add this onto the future? And that's exactly what I did, and that's exactly what I do now. I would highly suggest going the LUT route, guys. If, if you have a preset you love, convert it to a LUT, tweak it a little bit, save that as a new LUT, and just use that as your favorite colors and your favorite editing LUT for all your weddings. Um, but I just, I can't stress this enough, guys. The importance of color is, is huge because it will help you control the type of client that you want to work with. It'll help you control the type of jobs you want to do. It's a huge factor that I think is often overlooked, especially by young and up-and-coming um, videographers in this world. Um, always remember that, like I said before, if you're shooting it horribly in camera, you know, color grading is not this magic potion. It's not always going to work. It's not always going to look amazing. A lot of things have to line up. I will fully come out and say, I will admit, there are a lot of films I feel like that I didn't shoot it as best I could. Maybe we were super behind and just rushing like crazy or or maybe I was having to like, I hired a bad second and I had to like fix things or I was setting up tripods or you know, the bride told us to take a left at this turn, and next thing you know, we have an extra 15-minute drive. Like, there's so many things that go into um, uh, into play when it comes to, um, obviously, you know, shooting the wedding when you want to get the color correct. So, yeah, guys, that is basically color grading. I wanted to stress the importance of it, guys, to you and kind of how to get better. Um, some final quick tips practice first things first it's just practice like it definitely shoot in different lighting situations i remember when i first got my camera i wanted to see how it was in different lighting situations i shot backlit i shot directly onto the sun i shot at blue hour golden hour all these different situations to see um what i could do to to just get better at color grading and stuff like that um also secondly learn your white balance settings within your camera learn how to tweak them learn how to change them because you never know when you're going to find yourself in a really crappy situation i mean just last week i was shooting a wedding at a hotel and you know how sometimes these hotel rooms have like the um um, the tint on the outside is not it's not a standard black or gray tint. It was like a green tint. So when the sun is coming through this door at this wedding, it was a very green tint. But luckily, I had took the time to really learn my camera and see what needed to be changed to be able to change that tint color um, within camera to balance more while shooting. So rather than trying to say, okay, I'll just slide the you know the magenta slide over in, in Premiere, I was able to fix it within camera so that I have more control over that magenta slide out within Premiere um, to get my final, final look. I hope this was helpful, guys. I really, really do think that um, more people are starting to care about color, and I think that obviously the wedding industry is too. For those that are asked, asked, wondering or curious what profile I shoot on, I shoot in Cine 4. I am currently experimenting and practicing more and more with S-Log 2. I want to have a little bit more control over colors, and you definitely have more dynamic range with S-Log 2. Um, so I will definitely be switching over to that soon. I just don't know when. It'll probably be the next wedding season. I, I want some more practice with it um, without you know just risking it or using trying testing it out on paid clients. Um, but again, guys, practice. Get to know your editing style when it comes to color and um, narrow it down. Think about who is your target person. You want high-end brides? Well, you're probably going to have to color in light and airy. If you want more adventure-type brides, maybe the warmer tones will work for you. If you want you know, more edgy brides or edgy couples, maybe the, 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 you know, the dark and moody and stuff like that. Again, guys, I really hope this is helpful. I want to take a few moments here to say thank you to everybody that's listening. I think sometimes I forget to say thank you. It's 
amazing to see that 75 plus of you guys listen to the podcast in the first 30 days, every single episode. Like that is so awesome to hear. If you're, you know, if you, if you take it anything away from this podcast, I, I just want to say thanks for that. I mean, it just makes me feel amazing. Also, I'd love to ask you to do me a quick favor. Whatever podcasting app you're listening to, there's got to be a review section. Hopefully, you're on Apple Spot or Apple or Spotify. If you could head down to that review section and leave me a kind review on the podcast, just say it was helpful. Say I'm kind of funny. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Um, that'd be awesome and greatly appreciated. Head down to the show notes below, guys, to see anything I linked in this episode and even head out, head over to my Instagram and connect a little bit. Shoot me a DM if you have any questions, as usual. I'm excited for the next few episodes. I have a, full, a few cool guests coming on and a few topics that I'm kind of tackling on my own. I hope everybody's doing well, staying corona-free. Um, I'm doing pretty good wearing masks at weddings. I've only had two so far, um, but it's definitely been a, you know, a transitional thing. Um, but I'm excited to see that at least we're getting back to work a little bit, even if we have to wear a mask. But have a great day, guys. And don't forget, kill the rest of the week. Two podcast episodes coming per week starting next week. I'm so pumped, guys. Hit me up with some topics to talk about. This is the longest outro ever. I'm fine with it, though. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. See ya.